Hello and welcome to Pucks and Pages, our very first full-length episode. We're going to be discussing the latest news in books and in sports and discussing, hopefully, the other person getting involved in our favorite hobbies. My name is Steven, and as you've already heard from my wife Liberty, let's get started with our first topic of the day. Uh, the big news today is predominantly uh, the world of sports slowly but surely announcing that they're ready to come back to the world. I'm most excited about the NHL coming back, and that's the only one I really know about. Um, we've technically already seen the Bundesliga come back for the NHL. We're still discussing what we're going to do, where we're going to do it. I think technically the players and the association have agreed on the format, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, you're definitely right. You know, Right now we're in phase two where certain players are allowed to practice with like up to six of their friends right now, <laughs> so... It's kind of a weird situation uh, the NHL's in currently. Well, I mean, you have 20 players per team, right? So, I mean, not even half the teams getting to practice together, that's a little weird. Right, and the NHL's kind of now coming to the conclusion that Phase 3 should be starting like early to mid-July is what they're estimating, and um, that would be like a normal training camp um, limited to 50 personnel, so players and, and coaches uh, in the arena at the same time to practice. and. Uh, then after that, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get some hockey going. It sounds like Phase 4 is in for some uh, fun times, which right. we know about. Well, I just, I I don't know if I agree with the whole concept of we have a plan, but we're not going to tell anyone when anything's going to happen. Because I've heard announcers and people who are on the news side of this talk about how they technically haven't set a date, so the playoffs could happen in September. So what does that mean for next season? And we don't really know. Yeah, and looking at it right now, too, like if you're one of the top four teams in each conference, uh, well, particularly if you're the number one seed right now, it, it's really interesting because you're going to get reseeded in a round-robin tournament. So like right. each of the teams is going to play three games, and whoever has the best record is the number one seed going into the actual playoff period. And... I don't know that I agree with the whole, okay, so the Western Conference, 12, top 12, you get to participate in the playoffs, the rest of you don't. Same thing for the Eastern Conference, like, I don't know how to deal with the fact that we didn't finish our season, firstly, and then on top of that, the top four get a bye week, basically, if I'm remembering this correctly. And then we start actually getting into the playoffs and narrowing it down and all that. Yeah, and so like the other eight teams that are already seeded, kind of, whereas the top four are being reseeded, um, they play that five-game series, like best-of-five series, instead of you know what we're used to in the NHL, which is the, the best-of-seven in the world. And then they're contemplating even playing these games in just two hub cities, which... They, they definitely have a pretty long list to still kind of dwindle down there, you know, including like Chicago, Columbus, uh, here in Dallas where we are, Edmonton, um, Las Vegas, uh, the City of Angels, Minneapolis, which, you know, probably will be axed from the list this week. Uh, yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh, Vancouver, and Toronto. Um, you know, all very, very big hockey towns of like previous age and current generation, like, the Vegas hockey world is blowing up right now. Well, and it would work in Vegas because there's so many empty hotels right now because of the coronavirus. So I would support that. But also part of me just wants hockey to come to my town. So let's just do Dallas. Yeah. That would be great. You know, we, we gladly would uh, show them some of that southern hospitality here in Dallas and uh, have all the teams here in one area. We've got a great arena, the AAC. A great practice arena right up here in Frisco, which would probably be one of the other locations they'd be playing games, I would imagine. So, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't mind having them here. As a Chicago sports fan, it'd be cool to watch them play in uh, some of the arenas around Chicago because, you know, you have Northwestern, which is a big hockey university there as well. So, you know, you'd have some options for larger arenas than probably some of the cities would offer in some of those instances. Right. But everything for the NHL right now seems like it's still pretty far away, whereas Bundesliga returned weeks ago at yeah, this point back, back on may 16th yeah so like uh you know they've they're, they're a couple of weeks deep into the season um they're kind of setting the standard i think for most of the leagues that are trying to return including like the premier league and uh la liga and you know so on and so forth kind of rolling off that the english premier league finally announced their return date this week which is 
exciting for you, you know, as a Manchester United fan, you're yes. you're probably ready for some uh, soccer to come back in the world for you. They're looking at June 16th as their date of uh, coming back. And then they announced some like kind of weird news uh, about like neutral sites for some of the bigger derby games, just to kind yeah. of keep fans from collecting outside of the stadium and you know allow social distancing to still exist in the current moment that we're in here. Well, I mean, even if you're going off Bundesliga standard, which has been pretty good, Germany's done a pretty great job with the coronavirus. But even in the stadium, I didn't think that they handled it perfectly. Um, there were still people who weren't wearing their masks properly and weren't maintaining the social distance. But then you go and move on to the Premier League and they're still dealing with the virus, much worse than Germany was. And so I can understand not wanting to have your fans at your stadium. Um, I'm just, I'm not sure that's necessarily going to prevent that from happening still. Um, Soccer is way bigger over there and I think you're going to have trouble getting people to maintain their distance even outside of the stadium. Yeah, definitely I can understand that, especially as crazy as some of the Liverpool and Manchester United fans can really get sometimes. Excuse me. They, uh, you know, have a lot of energy and they throw a lot of support at their organization, which I don't think is a bad thing by any means. But, um, you know, with the current standards for social distancing, it makes it a little more complicated. Well, as someone who has had the plague and was bedridden for a month, let me just say, you don't want this. So I think people need to stop being sick and tired of it and realize that it's still happening. Like, we're about to start a next wave of it if they don't maintain social distance. And I love soccer when I remember to watch it, um, but it's not more important than my health and other people's lives. And so... I can get behind them doing the weird stadiums. Yeah, and so we got two other leagues that are really in the, the heat of discussion right now when it comes to coming back to the world of sports. Um, NBA being one of the bigger ones here in the United States, you know, there's a lot of following of that here. Uh, they right now are going to continue portions of the regular season based on what it seems like. Um and then have playoffs. They're, they're going to be a smaller organization. They're not going to be all the teams. Uh, right now, the rough estimate's like 20 to 22 teams coming How back. How many are normally in the uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm not that, the biggest NBA fan in the entire world to follow you on that one. But, Ooh, we cut um, But uh, their, their best plan for return right now that the Board of Governors is going to vote on a little later this week. I believe they're voting Thursday of this week. They are voting basically on using the um, Disney World sports facility complex that they have there. Um, You know, there's multiple arenas, multiple places for them to play the games at. And, you know, it it wouldn't be anything new to Disney World for hosting major tournaments. Like almost every year they hold would it be at collegiate basketball tournaments or uh, high school state championships. They're pretty regular hosts of events like that. So it wouldn't be too far-fetched for them to host everybody in one location. Okay, but as soon as you said that, I pictured Mickey Mouse ears on top of Michael Jordan's head. So, like, I know he's not playing anymore, but that's just what happened in my head when you said that. That's really weird. In, in reality, you know, it'd be like Mickey Mouse ears on Giannis or Mickey Mouse ears on LeBron currently in, in the NBA. But, yeah, you, I, I got your reference. Look, you're lucky I knew one name. All right. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, the MLB. So, MLB is basically, you know, America's pastime shy of, like, maybe comparison in football in the States. And it's it's the summer sport of choice, I think, for most people to go and watch. Because nothing else is happening. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, you know, based on those opinions for you, I know there's a lot of MLB fans out there, and hopefully they don't uh, give us hate on our comments. But uh, you Look, know. you're trying to get me to like sports. This is what I'm giving you in return. So here we are. Um, definitely. So right now they don't really have an estimated return date. They are still trying to figure out between the ownership and uh, the MLB organization as itself and the MLB Players Association trying to figure out what the right balance is. I know that the MLB was talking about doing a, a very, very shortened season, almost like half a season. And... Uh, the players weren't too fond of that because the repercussions were huge pay cuts, basically. Well, but they're still going to have to make a pay cut no matter what, right? Yeah, more or less. Enable to, well, basically to allow the the season to still kind of go on and eat up the losses that the MLB is taking right now. Um, they The expectation is for the players to take a pay cut. And as a fan, like, 
don't get me wrong, they're not the highest paid sports players in the entire world. By no means are they NHL players. They definitely make more money than those guys do most of the time. But at the same time, you know, like we're not seeing like super contracts like you see in the world of soccer or the NBA or the NFL at the MLB level. Like there are guys that, you know, make enough money at an entry level contract to do very well for themselves. But the overall average pay across the Major League Baseball Association is quite a bit lower than, say, like, the NFL would be in that Right, license. yeah. But, I mean, also, you're not working as much. I don't know, because I don't like sports contracts. I don't like how much players get paid, but that's a whole different thing. Um, but at the same time, you're working half of your time, or you're working three quarters, whatever they end up deciding. So I think you should take a pay cut. Um, I don't know if it needs to be as drastic as some of the things I've heard, like half their pay. Like, that's a little bit ridiculous because they still have to exist in the world even if they're not working the whole time. Yeah, and I I think there's just a long way to go to get both parties uh, on the same page right now. So, you know, my concern is originally when they announced they were going to delay the season start, They're like, oh, you know, early July, late June, and now it's like we just don't have a clue when it's going to happen. And I guess if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It wouldn't be the first time there was a lockout in the MLB. Um, You know, a number of years ago, back in the 90s, there was almost, I believe the whole season actually was completely just non-existent. Right. Um, You know, Players Association couldn't come to agreement with contracts and we're in the same boat kind of right now, you know, as an MLB fan, being a White Sox fan, I, I really hope to see the season happen, um, you know, especially considering the team's organization is finally starting to build a decent roster. And, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to be the one that says it's our year because it's probably not. <laughs> but, you know, uh, as a Chicago sports fan, I'm prepared to kind of accept the disappointment a little bit. But at the same time, you know, I've been watching this team build and build and build for about 10 years now realistically is the building process and it, it's about time for it to pay off and it's kind of a bummer to be all hyped up for the season and then just kind of get the little like punch in the gut you know well for me that just reminds me of the lockout we had with the NHL a number of years ago and there's just that disappointment but also a degree of understanding where like you know where the players are coming from you know where the organization is coming from but as a fan like I just want to watch my sport. And that's the way it's been the whole time with the coronavirus. It's like, I understand that health and safety is important. And like, this is not the most important thing in the world, but it is something that you hold on to that gives you hope in regular everyday life. And now that's not there when something traumatic is happening. So, I mean, I want it to come back for your sake, because I know you like baseball. But at the same time, it's like, if it doesn't happen, there are other things going on in the world. So, like, sports aren't the most important thing, obviously, but it doesn't take away the fact that I want my hockey and I want it now. Yeah. And kind of coming back around to, like, things that are going on in the world, obviously, affecting sports right now, coronavirus being pretty much the major one. Um, you know, the touchy touch and go subject of what happened in Minneapolis, um, obviously, we mentioned it a little bit at the the top of the show here. Um, It's really sad to see what's going on in in the world currently, but it is really great to see a lot of athletes rallying around. Um, Really what needs to be brought to the forefront attention-wise with uh, the way the situation was handled by the Minneapolis police officers with George Floyd uh, in in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Jalen Brown uh, marched alongside... uh, Quite a few um, just normal people in Atlanta kept the protests as peaceful as, you know, comparison to some of the protests that have been going on. Um, Obviously, uh, there was still property damage and things done there, but that was done later in the evening by people that weren't there for the the actual march itself. So. In the Bundesliga, I know that one of my players had a shirt underneath his jersey during the most recent game that was a message about supporting George Floyd and the whole police brutality. Yeah, Jaden Sancho, you know, um, 
younger player, but definitely connected with the community for sure of what's going on in the world and pretty knowledgeable and keeps up on pace with a lot of things. I, w- I wouldn't directly 100% call him like activist level, but like right. he is very aware of what's going on in the world. Um, and then another one of your players took a knee at the, you know, beginning of the, well, after he scored the first goal of the game, took a knee instead of, you know, uh, celebrating to kind of show the standard of what should be expected. You know, these players, they have a voice and I think it's important that their voice is used to lift up other voices that don't have a stage, that don't have somewhere to stand. So I think it's really important that even if it's just taking a knee or wearing a shirt with a hashtag justice for George Floyd, I think it's all really important, especially if you're a white person, to give rise to black voices in this situation. Obviously, we're both white people and we don't have a right to speak about other people's social injustice. Yeah, definitely, uh, you know, as a whole, everybody should be kind of coming together right now and and just bringing it to the forefront because it, it definitely needs to be talked about. There needs to be solutions. By all means, like I grew up in a Republican household and I know that, you know, uh, you know, that bothers you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I I understand the police officers are trying to do their jobs. There are good cops. One of my childhood neighbors was the chief of police for El Cajon Police Department where I grew up. The dude was the nicest person in the world, and I know he tried to hold the police department to a higher standard, uh, you know, his own standard, which was not to abuse people. Um, El Cajon obviously just had its bad glimmer a number of years ago. Uh, they they handled the situation correctly and actually charging the person with murder, right. you know, instead of bobbling the situation where it was kind of like, well, we fired them, but we're not going to do anything about it. And then a week later, due to community pressures, oh, yeah, we're going to charge them with third-degree murder. You know, I it's mean, just... technically, it's hard to say that they should go for first degree because there are certain standards that have to be met per each type of charge you're going to file. And technically, they don't meet the standard for charging with first-degree murder. Do, in my opinion, for second, but third is the one that they're going for, I believe, with that officer for George Floyd's death. Yeah, it, it definitely fits the third degree perfectly, and I kind of agree with you. The second is, like, it's he, he definitely qualifies for some of the standards for second-degree murder. The, the intent thing, I think, is where the real question comes in, and I... Hmm. I think that he definitely was trying a little too hard to control the situation. The knee on the neck is not something they're taught as police officers. No, you know, having had conversations with police officers that are, are friends of mine, that is not something that they're trained on. Yeah. Um, you know, knees to the back, shoulders, you know, things that control the body from causing damage to the officers is usually the way that they're taught. The neck is definitely not a place that would be chosen. So, like, the argument for intent is there-ish um you know it's not like he went to work though that day knowing that he was going to kill somebody you know that was not the intent but again we could talk about this subject in circles over and over we have off mic several times um because we definitely grew up in two different styles of households so i think the main message needs to be this is a tragedy and that voices who are speaking out against what happened need to be raised up and not silenced. And I think the athletes and their decision to take a knee or wear a shirt or march, I think it's the best thing that they could be doing right now for that situation. Yeah, now that uh, we're kind of wrapping up the politics corner of our episode, which we, just to clarify, probably won't be happening too often (laughs) as we are uh, a books and uh, sports-related podcast, but... Since the sports world is kind of getting behind um, the subject, you know, if we didn't discuss it, we'd kind of be dropping the ball at least a little bit in that instance. Uh, no pun intended, but, you know. Yeah. Putting something out there in the world during this time that doesn't address the issue about police brutality is a mistake. And so we just wanted to add that in there where we could and be still relevant to what we're discussing. And I think it's important. Yeah, absolutely. Um so I think we're going to move on to our next subject line, um, you know, the world books, of book books, news, books, which books, is books, uh, books. Liberty's favorite time, I think more so than anything. So um, I'll let you catch up on some of the book news that's going on in the world and then uh, 
we'll go into my talking about a little bit about how excited you are about me reading Harry Potter. Yeah. The first thing, uh, book news related, uh, for me, that's one of the most important things, is that Maggie Steve Otter tweeted on May 24th, I believe, about the Raven Cycle TV show is no longer being developed. It stopped in the spring at some point, apparently, which I'm not surprised based off, you know, coronavirus, everything ended. But it wasn't explicitly stated why the Raven Boys TV show has been canceled or stopped in development or whatever. Um, I know that you're kind of bummed out about that because it's one of your favorite book series that you've read and you constantly are talking me up to try to read that. Well, okay. For anyone who doesn't know, the Raven Boys is a magical realism book. It's mostly contemporary, but it's got some magical elements about a girl named Blue living with her mother who's a psychic and a bunch of other family members who are also women who are psychics. It just, there's such a family element in the series, but there's also this whole quest that they're going on and then the writing style is just so good. This was definitely the best book I read in the year that I read it. And I've read it multiple times since it came out. Uh, So I'm really disappointed about the TV show no longer happening. At the same time, I'm also a little bit relieved, which I don't want to say, but it's true because this has been such a magical series for me that if it got ruined, I don't know what I would do. I, I know I'd be very disappointed. Yeah, I can imagine that that would be a little frustrating. Like it's... It's like, hey, this is one of my favorite series is don't screw it up. Like, it would drive you crazy. Well, it's like um, the Shadow and Bone series. Um, The Grishaverse is getting a show. And that is also another one of my favorites. It's on tier with The Raven Cycle for me. And if that gets screwed up, I will be breaking some doors. (laughs) I will be coming into their houses. Listen, we have enough writing going on (laughs) in the world right now over books. Probably not the best reason at the moment. It's not the best reason. You're right. I probably shouldn't. But I will have that desire in my heart. Um, But as far as things still happening with books right now, uh, Renee Audier has a book series about vampires uh, called The Beautiful Series. And the second book, The Damned, and yes, that is a reference in case anyone was wondering, The Beautiful and The Damned. It was supposed to come out on the second, so hopefully the day this podcast comes out, it was supposed to be coming out. But it got moved to July 7th, which is a very popular day for books. I'm not a fan of this choice. I think it's coronavirus related because in May, the publishers had a read-along for the first book. And so I was just completely thrown off guard when I finished reading the first book again. And all of a sudden I go on to Goodreads and it says July 7th for the second book. So I don't know what happened there, but it got pushed back a month. Well, just just what we need, more books about vampires. You know my opinion on vampires and books. Yeah, I've just never really been something that's jumped out at me, but, you know. I, I think for you what happened is you heard about Twilight and ran away from vampire way books. Way too much I heard about Twilight. Twilight was everywhere at one point but, in time, and it's just overrated in my well, opinion. Well, I mean, there's another Twilight book coming out in August. <laughs> but if we ignore that... There are a lot of vampire books that are starting to get talked up and released. So there's this series by Renee Audier. And then uh, Jay Kristoff, who wrote Nevernight and Illuminae and some other popular sci-fi-ish books. He's coming out with a vampire series this fall. So vampires are very much in vogue again, which I completely support no matter what you say. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess I'll have to adjust my hate of uh, vampires if there's quite so much popular stuff coming out about them right now. Yeah. Um, well, you like Buffy, so just pretend it's Buffy in book form. Yeah, but Buffy was a classic cult style. <laughs> like, it, it, let's, let's be honest, it could have been multiple movies and it would have been just as enjoyable as it was as a TV series. Well, let's talk about the first movie if we're going to go down the Buffy train because that was a train wreck. Yeah. But, um, but well, let's, let's keep to our actual subjects <laughs> here before we go down that train, as she stated. Um, 
And so, like, the other book-related stuff, uh, since we covered, like, the news, the releases, and things that are coming up, is there anything more exciting coming out out of the book world? There's there's a handful of book releases for June that I want to mention, just because some of these authors are really popular. They're continuations of series and so on. The first one being The Guest List by Lucy Foley, and it comes out on June 2nd, so hopefully the day we release this podcast. And it's similar, I think, to one of her books I read uh, called The Hunting Party, but this one takes place on an island on the Irish coast about a bunch of friends getting together for a wedding and someone ends up murdered. So it's an isolated mystery that I think sounds really good, but I've discovered murder mysteries aren't really for me. It's just I know this is a popular author and everyone that I talk to loves mysteries that are very isolated very closed circle sort of to a degree like and then there were none by Agatha Christie so it's all of the suspects are here so who the f did it I think that would be a really good one to read if you're wanting something like that right now or save it for October which is when a lot of people read mystery and thrillers I love that you make these comparisons like I'm sitting here like yeah I've read all those things (laughs) you know I, I know it's for the the people we're recording for but at the same time it's like ah yeah that thing well, you've heard of And Then There Are None. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah. Yeah, I, so... I, I, didn't, I didn't live in a cave as a child, you know. There are books around me, you know, yeah. so... We'll say that is the first murder mystery I read as a teenager, and it scared the pants off me. So hopefully Lucy Foley does that with this book. Yeah, you know, who doesn't want a good uh, scary book to read, you know, uh, especially come, like, maybe fall time around, like, Halloween, but I know it's coming out a little earlier than that, so... And then another book that's coming out on June 2nd is My Calamity Jane. So it's a book series by Cynthia Hand, Brody Ashton, and Jody Meadows about the different Janes throughout history. So this one's obviously going to be set in the Western world in 1876. So you have a bunch of outlaws and guns and stuff like that. Heard about this series a lot uh, over the years. Uh, There's two books out already, My Lady Jane and My Plain Jane. It sounds like an interesting series if you like history because it's taking these figures that you already know from history and putting a twist on it and just changing it. So I think it sounds good. It's not my cup of tea, but it's very popular, especially on the booktube community. And then one that I personally am just salivating for is the third book in the Devabad trilogy by S.A. Chakraborty. The third one is called The Empire of Gold. It comes out on June 11th and literally... I wish it was coming out tomorrow. So it's a series about a con artist in 18th century Cairo who accidentally summons a djinn and uh, things unravel from there. I just finished reading the second one, so this one needs to be at my house today. Well, clearly that's not going to be a possibility, (laughs) not to ruin your hopes and dreams, but, uh, you know... Book release days are book release days for a reason. Yeah, well, and it's just, it's a really good fantasy novel. It's sort of historical, and it's just, it's got something to it that I think a lot of fantasy novels are missing in not just that you love the setting and you love the magic and you love all that, but also the relationships and how they work together. I think uh, characters are probably the main selling point for me in a lot of fantasy novels. If you have a good set of characters, they could be sitting around in a cave for a month and I would be riveted. So like, that's all that matters to me. I don't know that I could ever be excited about characters <laughs> sitting in a cave, but uh, as we've found out, my wife loves it. Just uh whoever the next great author is that wants to make a book about two amazing characters in a cave. My wife's going to be on that pre-order <laughs> list, so don't worry about that. And then there was one that I read on NetGalley, and it's coming out on June 23rd. It's called Take Me With You by Tara Altabrando. Now, that's the first book by her I've ever read, and I really enjoyed it. It is what I called a sci-fi horror novel. Oh, trust me, I can tell you you enjoyed it because you talked to me about it and I know nothing about the book and I was like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> well, basically, a group of kids are sent a message that they need to go to a certain teacher's room after school. They show up and there's a cube there with some instructions and the instructions are don't tell anyone about this device, never leave the advice unattended, and lastly, take me with you 
or else. So, like, the first rule is kind of like Fight Club, you know. Don't talk about Fight Club, <laughs> you know. Um, that's the reference I'll give uh, there. I mean, except there's uh, some issues with if you do break the rules, because this is sort of not all-knowing, but it seems like this device has eyes and ears everywhere. Maybe we shouldn't give away the entire plot of the book as it does <laughs> not come out yet, but... Uh, I'm glad you thoroughly enjoyed it, and I hope some of our listeners, you know, pick it up, support a really great uh, author, and uh, have fun with the book. Yeah, and uh, that's, again, on June 23rd when that one's coming out. And then the last book that I've started hearing some rumblings about, but not a lot, uh, it also comes out on June 23rd. It's called The Forest of Souls, and the cover punches you in the face. Like, I will show you the cover. The cover punches you in the freaking face. Yeah, I could definitely see how that could be uh, taken as a punch to the face. It's very much like a read me now. You'll love this book. It's um, very dark and gives off all these dark vibes. Um, I don't know a ton about this book. It's about a girl who has been training to be the spy for her queen. And uh, everything sort of comes unraveled when her best friend dies. And she accidentally brings her friend back to life. And it reminds me a little bit of um, Rin Chipeco. She's got a book about a girl accidentally bringing her brother back to life. So if you're into necromancy, maybe this is for you. But it just, it sounds really interesting. The cover, again, just is a lot. And I love it. It's got some very dark vibes, so maybe save it for fall time. But I would pick it up now because it sounds really interesting. And those are my main June releases that I think if you're already a fan of these types of books, you should definitely pick them up. Or if you're already in the middle of a series like I am, you need it to come to your Kindle now. I definitely uh, can understand the frustrations of that. I know when you had me reading through the Divergent series and we had to wait for the third book, I about lost my mind. So, the one time you read a series. Yeah, <laughs> a whole series through. And, you know, and I know I'm going to get some flack for this, but the Divergent series was a really good series in my eyes. So, you know, uh, I can understand your pain just a little bit. Right. Uh, I've experienced it once. So Well, and Divergent is a good series until you get to the end. But again, writing changes over time. So the things that were super popular when Divergent was coming out are now sort of eschewed and no one wants anything to do with it. Yeah, I can see that. It sounds like we pretty much have wrapped up the the book releases unless you have any like stunners that are coming out from somewhere that I didn't know about. No. Perfect. We'll kind of carry it on then in this instance. Um, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm reading Harry Potter now, which I know you are beyond ecstatic about. Like, you know, she, she saw how many notes I was actually taking to talk about this. And she's like, yeah, you probably don't need all those. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm really excited about it. That's why I took all these notes. And she goes, well, unless we're making a whole episode about right. your notes on the book and you're going to read it to them, you know, there's really no reason to have all the notes that you have. So... Um, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I'm through chapter 10 now, uh, which I believe puts me a little beyond 180 pages through the book. Yeah. Don't, don't she, crucify me on this, but. He's a little over halfway. He just got through the Halloween part of the book and I'm very happy you're reading it. I actually, uh, when we got engaged in 2015, I said, if you do not read this series, then I will not marry you. And he still hasn't read this series, and we've been married for four years. Well, the thing is, you kind of make promises like that <laughs> um, that we don't really follow through on. Because, like, if we go way back, like, originally you told me you'd never talk to me again. And here we are having a podcast where we talk to each other well, all the time. You have to clarify. I said that because you were a Blackhawks fan. Yeah. So, so. kind of sports-related in, in a way, <laughs> shape, or form, you know, one way or the other. So how are you liking the book so far? So I, I'm I'm really kind of loving the the weird quirky names. Like in the first chapter, to put the lights out, he used a put outer, which mm -hmm. seems like the dumbest name that anybody could have come up with. But like, it makes so much sense at the same time. <laughs> like he literally put out the lights, which was, you know, it did what it did. And like, I'm really starting to become a little bit more attached to the characters. Like the early portions of this book, obviously Harry Potter is really doesn't know who he is, what the world of magic is that's going on around him. And I think that's like the expanding of the universe a little bit in his brain through like 
the middle of those chapters it's mm. like you know four or five in that range it's really where you start to get into like magic and you're like yeah. cool you know like it, in the instance like where they're at Dudley's birthday like he gets 34 presents and then there's like oh it's not enough and then they get him two more you know plus the one from his aunt to make sure that he ends up with 37 which is one more than he had last year which is the most ridiculous thing to me in my mind because like as a kid, yeah. presents didn't come at you quite that fast, you know? <laughs> well, and I think the main point there from J.K. Rowling was just, you've got this one kid who's being so adored, and he gets so much, look how much he gets, and you've got Harry living in a closet who doesn't quite get enough food. And so it's like, it's not that they can't take care of Harry, it's just they don't want to take care of Harry. And then, like, the crazy thing for me is, like, the Dursleys as a whole, like, really 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 try to wrap him up in just being muggle society but then like you get little pokes of like magic here and there where like he got a bad haircut and his hair goes back (laughs) instantly and she's like how how how, mr is like how did you get your hair back to that length so quickly you know but she kind of knows yeah well like she understands that there's magic but harry doesn't understand it he's just like my hair was back yeah and there it was um you know so I think that definitely adds to the silliness in the series, which you kind of lose over time as the series gets darker. But especially in the first book, you get all these silly and weird things happening. Oh, yeah. Like, there we talk about the zoo scene where he just starts talking to a snake. You know, it's like kind of the first time you see the, the parcel tongue kind of come out a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. And, and Harry doesn't know what he's doing. He's just talking. And the snake is talking back to him with, like, little which... noises in the middle of whatever the snake's saying, you know. Let me just say, if I saw that, I would run out of there so freaking fast. Right. I hate snakes. Well, if I saw a kid talking to a snake, I would flee. Well, just imagine falling through what you thought was a pane of glass and then the snake being like, what up? I'm out. You know, like, <laughs> that's just kind of the craziest thing to have happen, you know. And then, like, one of my favorite scenes from the movie, because, yeah, knock me down. I saw the movies before I read the books. Which I know is not a good thing to do. Um, like the letters. That was one of my favorite scenes in the first movie where they're just pouring through every slot in the house. Like if there's like a little crevice in the wall, it's like, oh, I got one through. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and and I just. Which don't tell me that's not Albus Dumbledore just being a jack for the fun of it. Because like, I loved it. Yeah. You know, I, I totally can understand that in, in that instance. And it's just like all the methods that it was coming through and then like. Mr. Dursley sleeping by the door to get the letter before Harry wakes up. Like, it's just such a childish response, but it's so great. Like, it's just It's so fitting with his character. Absolutely. And the ones that weren't included in the movie or were deleted scenes possibly in the movie, the last time I watched the deleted scenes, I was a kid. But when they come through in the eggs, like, that was my favorite thing to read. Yeah. When all the letters were in the eggs, because how... If you are trying to be as muggle as possible, Firstly, explain it to me. How does a letter fit in an egg? An egg is not a big object unless it's like they're delivering ostrich eggs. Like, well, how else is it going <laughs> to fit in that? Like, it just makes no sense to me. Um, and, and then, like, I really, really enjoyed the scene where, uh, well, I say scene, it's not the movie, but like the scene in the book where Hagrid arrives while they're on the rock. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you know, he just appears there. Like, he, we know that he flew there, like, later in the book. You find that out, uh, like, the next chapter. But when he arrives, he's just, like, whipping things out of his coat. Like, it's just, like, you know, <laughs> like, Doctor Who style inside <laughs> the the phone booth, you know. And he's like, oh, a birthday cake and this and sausages and a cauldron to cook them in. Like, you know, da 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 A full tea set? Yeah. yeah. He literally has, like, everything. Like, oh, you don't have anything here for me? Well, great. I've got it all right here in my pocket. <laughs> Pocket. like he should have been a boy scout he was so prepared oh absolutely eagle scout 100 <laughs> percent. you know and, and then everybody's favorite scene that was in the movie obviously is when hagrid gives dudley the tail um you know and he goes oops i meant to turn him into a, a whole pig but i guess he was already one so he just grew a tail like well, that was a perfect line i mean in later books you find out partially why that might have happened versus the joke reason that yeah. he explains but yes uh, i mean Reading it as a child and all of a sudden this bully of a child has a tail. That's just hilarious. When yeah. you're 10 years old, that is peak humor. Yeah, and as well, like in that chapter, like uh, Hagrid obviously does the big old mic drop on Harry like, 
you're a wizard, Harry. Like, ta-da. Yeah. You know, he tells them all about his family and how they passed away with, you know, who shall not be named. We'll keep that, you know, secret just the same as mm-hmm. out of respect um, for the book and the movies. Um, but, you the know. The taboo is in place on this podcast. Yeah, of course. Why not? You know. <laughs> um, and so, like, he kind of lays it all out for him and, like, you know, gets very upset with the Dursleys about not telling him anything about anything at the same time i'm like as a kid i don't know that knowing that i was a wizard would be like something i would 100 percent want to know right away because like i would be doing all sorts of magic for stupid things trying to figure well, out how to do things you know but when you're a kid you can't control your magic that's why harry's hair grew back and all the other things that happen i just think it's for me when i was reading the books you talked about the world expanding for harry but the world kind of expanded for me too when i was reading it because all of a sudden i'm reading about this world where magic exists and you know you've got these really amazing magical scenes that happen later in the books and later in the series and it's like maybe the world can be nicer maybe magic can exist and it just sort of completely opens you up in a way that I haven't seen a lot of series do even when they are fantastical and magical and things like that yeah and then like obviously going into the next chapter we have the uh, experiences of um, Diagon Alley, the Leaky Cauldron. Like, I thought that was a really cool scene because, like, Harry's like, yeah, I'm famous, oh, cool, whatever. And then he got to Diagon Alley and everybody's like, oh, my God! Like, they lost right. their, they literally lost their mind. And sorry about the peak on the mic with that one. I just <laughs> saw that on the sound edit there. Um, but, like, that's the way everybody reacted. They were like, this is the greatest kid that's ever touched the earth. And it's like, and, and Harry's just sitting there like, I don't understand why I'm so famous. Like, I, I understand, but I don't understand, you right. know? And reading the series as an adult is kind of different from, like, the joy and wonder you experience when you're reading it as a kid. Because reading through that scene, while it's like, no, Harry, look, you really are famous, it's also like, what is wrong with these adults? That they're crowding around a child who doesn't know what happened, can't redo any magic as of this moment like he had no control over what happened and then everyone just wants to think you're the best wizard that's ever existed it's just as an adult you kind of look at that scene a little differently yeah definitely and and then like you when he gets into Diagon Alley um he first thing they do is go to Gringotts which I think in the movies was a good scene could have been a little better because the book was really just on point with like laying out like the magic system and how it all works and mm-hmm. like a little more in depth and you know he ends up coming down to his vault and the vault is just loaded like it's like hitting the lottery moment for Harry like he's been so so poor you know and the way he was treated and money and like the way he got hand-me-downs for things that didn't fit him and all these things that just would make you feel like more or less that you have no money and you're worthless in some right. senses and then open it up and it's like, you know, everybody's dream, like a Scrooge McDuck style scene where he's like diving into the gold <laughs> coins, you know, like, and well, that's the way it's really described. And it's like, wow, that's so cool. Like, well, and you've got this, his family treated him like he was worthless. He had no money. All of a sudden he's got money. But also, as you see throughout the first half of the book, he also has money he's got friends, he's got people who care about him. So he went from being this worthless human being in his own eyes to being worthy and being, you know, the savior of the wizarding world. And it's just such a stark contrast. And um, then obviously you go down to the secret vault 713, 713 for what I'm sure I know is what's in there, but we'll keep that to a hush-hush moment because I haven't gotten there in the book yet and don't want to ruin it. You know, and it's like a special mission for Hagrid more or less to go pick this item up from the vault uh, 713 in uh, Gringotts. And then like unknowingly uh, when he's getting fitted for his robe, he meets Draco, like... He yeah. doesn't know it's Traco, um, and he just meets this brat for the first yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just an absolute jerk. Like the entire time, he's just like belittling Muggles and talking bad about Hagrid and how he's worthless and he's been expelled and blah 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 blah. Like yeah. it's just like wow. Like who knew a child at that age could be such a monster? Me, yeah. me. Children yeah. are monsters. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and like that scene, I'm like. It just set the standard because, like, obviously having seen the movies, I immediately knew who it was. And I was like, wow, what a punk. Like, I know who Draco is. What a jerk. And, you know, so that scene kind of, like, set the standard of, like, 
his knowing Draco and not knowing Draco at the same time. Like, he yeah. obviously, later in the book, he meets him, you know. When formally, yeah. Formally, as they're waiting to uh, be brought in for the, you know, hat. Well, technically, hat. they meet on the train, but yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting, as we were discussing about Harry's sort of duality moment in discovering he's a wizard, you also have the other end of the spectrum. He's sort of like Dudley in that he thinks he's hot crap. Like, he is the best thing to exist in his family. And it's just... I never, I never got that just, feeling during it, what I was reading, but, you know, obviously well, you've read it a few more times than I have, so... I mean, I'm one of those people who thinks Draco's a punk, and yeah, he kind of changes over the course of the series. But during the first book, he thinks he's hot crap. Like, he thinks he's just so oh, yeah. cool, and his daddy's got money, yeah. and... It's seeing there's a Dursley version just, just in the I Wizarding. I you were world. talking about Harry just now. I'm like, I did no, not get that at all. No. But yeah, Draco definitely. He thinks he is the shiniest turd on the street, and by all means, he kind of is. Like, but you know. seeing that also exists in the Wizarding world is also interesting because you've got the Dursleys who have that behavior. But then, oh look, it also happens in this magi- it, it magical ex- community. It exists everywhere. People are people. That's never yeah. going to change, you know. So that that was kind of a cool um, comparison in that instance, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then me being the the person that I think honestly, when I went to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in uh, L.A. Uh, Hollywood, I guess University of Hollywood. Yeah. Um, the one thing I really enjoyed, comparison from the book and what was there, was Ollivander's. I mm-hmm. thought Ollivander's was really neat. Um, the the sign outside, maker of fine wands since 382 BC. Right. I didn't know that it was going on that long. Like, that is insanity that that, that man has been making wands well, since Well, his family. Forever. Probably not him in yeah. particular. I was going to say, <laughs> if, if it's just him, like, holy crap, like, he's lived almost forever. No. Uh, you know, but I guess if you make wands, you can make that happen, I guess, because you're, like, the, the guy of magic, basically. But, uh, but yes or no, like, yeah, I can understand that. I mean, the oldest living wizard you'll discover later in the first yeah, book. Yeah, so right? Flamel, correct? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, that, that scene, it was just so funny where... Basically, he's, like, failing with all these wands over and over again. And, you know, the wand chooses you, but yet he's grabbing all these wands down to just give to him. So, like, are they really choosing him? Like, I guess in a sense, yes, the wand does eventually make the final choice. But, like, he's, like, guessing, basically. Like, ah, nope, not quite. Well, maybe here, I maybe mean, here. As someone who really enjoys wand lore and has read as much as is possible to read about wand lore, like, it's so very tricky that him choosing a wand for Harry, it's not just guessing, but at the same time, there's so many different varieties and so many different options that it's going to take some time if you're one of the tricky customers, which Harry was. Yeah. Hagrid had given him Hedwig in that scene in the movies, at least. I don't know. Yeah. It translated in the books as well, but um, my timing was a little great out there, but uh, I love that. Like, Hedwig, obviously... The coolest snowy owl that has ever existed. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got some Hedwig stuff in our in our house right now. So, like, you know, got to support our... Very attached to Hedwig. Got to love the owl that we have, you know, in that instance. And then, like, in the next chapter, the one that really was, like, hit me close to home was... As somebody who's been in train stations in Europe, in the United Kingdom, uh, when Mr. Jersey was giving him hell about the nine and three quarters... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm stupid enough to believe that there is one that's nine and three quarters. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's people that are going to listen to this that are from the UK and at some point or another and really laugh at how stupid I am having been there. But like the chaos of that station, having been there in person, yeah, King's Cross, it's chaos if you're there at certain times of the day. And I could only fathom as a kid Harry's age, having never left the house shy of like maybe one or two places, been on trains but the one instance coming in to right, London right. and going back home like it could be super overwhelming you know well and in that scene in particular as an adult imagining Molly Weasley the mother of seven children two of which have graduated from Hogwarts walking around going what platform is it again where are we going what's happening so many muggles like you know she saw Harry, who was lost and confused and alone. Yeah, like, he's got to stand out. And, he has a freaking owl sitting and her, in the cage, you know, on top of his car. her motherly instinct just kicked in, and she's like, 
he's not gonna ask for help. I can't just walk up to this boy. I'm gonna be loud and make sure he knows we're going where you're going, follow us. Yeah. And like, I'm sorry. That makes me love Molly Weasley so much more than I did when I was a child. Yeah. And like when you when you told me that after I read that chapter, I completely did not think that. And I'm like, she literally was like, hey, stupid, over here, <laughs> you know, in a kinder way, obviously. But like, <laughs> I was gonna say. you're completely unaware of what's going on around you right here in your face, dummy. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like type of a situation. And, and like, I, I totally understand Harry's fear of running at a wall. I'm sorry. Like, I believe in magic, but whoa, like. Yeah running straight at a wall, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm out. I wouldn't be able to you, do it. You like, just gotta watch some people do it a couple times. You're good. Yeah, I don't know that I would be <laughs> in that instance. Like, you know, I, I understand the science is pretty well and brick walls don't usually let through. So, you know, like Again, my concern would be... magic. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and then, like, the sorting hat scene, something that they didn't really cover in the, the movies was the sorting hat song. Oh, and I, yeah. I know I talked to you about it this week and I was like... It is both the silliest, greatest, and perfect thing to go in the book. And, like, I don't remember it thoroughly well, the whole song. Mm. But I can tell you that when I was reading it, I was reading it in a tune of a song the entire right. time. Right, yeah. And I, I just, I really like how silly the first book in particular is. And they get less silly over time. But it's just, it's something that you kind of lose as an adult is, like, picking up on the sillier things that happen in the series, especially if you've read it as many times as I have, which I think the illustrated copies do a great job of reintroducing how silly and weird and fantastical this series is supposed to be. Yeah. And so, like, the Sorting Hat song, I really enjoy. I wish that was in the movies. And, and like, you know, I I feel like them going through some of the Sorting Hat scenes maybe would have been a little long. Like, I, I understand why the movie cut it down to such a short period of time. Like, let's show the main people and then be right. done with it. Um, because, like... They went through, not the whole alphabet, but like A to Z was covered, you know? And yeah, a little sampling. And it's like, whoa, that's just feel like, I couldn't imagine being a student that was there, like third or fourth year and being like, God, this again, you know? Like, <laughs> we're just watching every them go year. A to Z every single year yeah. over and over again. And then like, to experience joy to like, either almost like, I get it, like the houses are supposed to be like your family, but at the same time, I'm like, it's a new kid you don't know anything about, and you're like, yay, welcome to our group. Like, yeah. you know, like, I It's I don't basically know. going one of us, one of yeah. us. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's like, it's it's great, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I, I don't think I would have been quite as excited as some of the people were. Yeah, um, I think the one thing that should have been included is when Neville forgets to take the hat off. Like, that... That should is, have been in the movie, 100%. That is freaking That hilarious. is the funniest scene, and I think, in that, that, that portion of it. Anyways. It really speaks to who Neville is all the first book. Yeah. And I think it's freaking hilarious and needed to be included. Yeah. You know, Harry had barely eaten, shy of, like, the food cart worth of stuff that he <laughs> ate. You know, in the movie it says, I'll take the whole lot. Realistically, he buys, like, what, two of everything or something like that? Mm-hmm. One, or, one or two of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, which... Because, I mean, how rude would that have been? Oh, I'll take absolutely. your whole food like, cart. What if he was on the very first train that they brought the food cart through and nobody else got food the entire time? So, like, in the book, I'm kind of glad that they established that he wasn't a monster like that. Yeah. Because in the movie, it was like, yeah, just bring it all in, you know? Well, I think the movie was trying to portray a kid who's never had money suddenly having money and having someone poorer than him and being like, you know what? I'll treat you. Let's do this. That that point still gets across with the one right, or two things right. of each of them. Like, honestly, it's like, yeah, we'll try two of all of them so that, like, both me and Ron can enjoy some sweet treats the whole right, time right. over there. But, like, eating just desserts, like, that's practically what they ate mm-hmm. the entire way there. So, like, when the meal appeared in front of him, like... I couldn't fathom being a kid that was fed, like, scraps, barely any food, and then just having, like, everything you ever dreamed of on one table in front of your face. Because, like, as you know, I, I'm i a food lover, especially yeah. of, like, the meat variety, which it sounded like there was a lot of options <laughs> on that table. You sound like Ron Weasley right now. No. Like, food, food, food. Yeah. 
I, I absolutely would have been in, in, in a heartbeat. You know, don't get me wrong, I love Ron, but like I could eat like Ron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> without a, without a contest whatsoever. Don't worry, that is a characteristic of Ron throughout the series. Food, food, food. And that going talking about Ron, I can't believe I bypassed this in the scene where they're running through the wall at the um, train station. They mentioned the fact a little difference between the movies and and the book where he is taller and lankier. They actually mm-hmm. compare him to the, almost the same height as the twins already. Right. Which to me, like, exploded my brain. Like, I'm like, how? Because he was so short in the movie. Right. Yeah. And in the book, he's supposed to be tall. Like, one of those situations where it was like, he could probably hold whatever it was out of Harry's reach and be like, ha, 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 you know. Well, Ron's not a jerk like that. Well, I understand yeah. that. But, like, <laughs> you, you know the point. Like, he, he's much taller than, than they make him out to be, yeah. um, you know, in the movie. Might be why he's so hungry all the time. Yeah, he's growing like a weed, you know, like he's got to eat. But yeah, other than that, like that was a big thing for me. And like being introduced to the twins, I thought was kind of cool. Like they, they seem more helpful, but also still like a little bit like problem causers causers at the same time. Like they helped Harry bring his luggage on, which you don't see in the movies. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of like... Wow, they're not always monsters. They're just. They I like would argue just, that they're, they're never not monsters, monsters, but they 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 like to have fun and like play pranks and yeah, do all yeah. sorts of really things like, you know, um, that you don't really see with Ron necessarily. Mm-hmm. Ron's. You mean like telling Ron that uh, to get sorted, he has to fight a troll? Yeah, like that. That was a great story. Like. And he's sitting there telling everybody this while they're waiting on the stairs. Nervous little children. Yeah, they don't know what they're getting themselves into. They're like, oh, God, we're going to battle, like, immediately Mm -hmm. as soon as we get to the school. But, you know, like, there there are some other, like, really key scenes that I liked in in the chapters. Like, obviously, uh, the remember-all scene when he gets it. And, like, he goes, I don't know what I forgot. Like, no kidding, because that's the (laughs) point of a remember-all, duh. And, you know, when uh, he ends up flying straight up and... Like, in the movie, he completely loses controls, like, bouncing off of everything. Mm-hmm. In the book, he just falls straight yeah, down. Like up just, and down. Just, 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 vroomp, vroomp, up and down, and then just slams into the ground and breaks his wrist. And so, like, then the remember all is sitting there. And it, even, like, that scene with uh, Draco and Harry is a little bit different as well. Like, yeah. he, he throws it instead of, like... S- Remind me if I'm correct. Like in the movie, it he hits it with the broom, and uh, maybe not. Maybe it's a different scene I'm thinking of. Anyways, you're you're thinking of something else. I think I know what you're thinking of, but that's yeah. not it. Anyways, the ball, the the remember all ball is being thrown, and like Harry's got to race after it, and at the same time that he's going, it's also dropping. So like so he's he's diving. like I'm really high, and he's like oh god, I gotta dive and go forward at the same time, and this is all happening while he's literally learning how to fly for the first time right and but, it's supposed to be something that for him is just sort of instinctual yeah like it's he just a natural thing yeah. yeah and 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 it makes sense a little bit later on when like you find out that his dad was also part of the quidditch team and things like that um so like it, the instinct makes sense it's kind of like the same thing where you know you see uh Let's say, like, Shaquille O'Neal's son is, like, well on his way to a professional career in basketball. Same thing with, like, LeBron James' kid, you know, and, and it's just, so, it's instinct, it's natural, you know? So what I'm hearing is that DNA plays a role in sports. Just just a tad bit, <laughs> just a little bit, it has something to do with it. Um, I can't you know. wait till you read the Quidditch scene, that's going to be fun. Yeah, I, you know, um, I'm excited about that. Having seen it in the movie, I'm, I'm hoping it's a little longer and there's some more interesting things that go on during it as well. And then obviously, you know, the favorite scene from Halloween is the troll. Yeah. You know, um, definitely a little different than in the book. Like, in the book, uh, they don't lock Hermione in the bathroom with the troll. <laughs> you mean movie. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, in the movie they do. They, they don't. Um, in the book they definitely do. And then they realize, oh, that's the girl's bathroom. Whoops, we better go get Hermione. <laughs> yeah. Like... Whoopsie daisy, like. Well, um, and that's just more silliness. Yeah. That I enjoy. And like, some of the things are a little different in those scenes, but I really like the way the book handled that situation, like the the troll being the big dumb blob that he is, but at yeah. the same time he's like, wrecking everything, yeah. you know. So. A troll in a china shop. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in this instance, you know, not china, but uh, toilets yeah. and sinks, you know, ceramic shop maybe. We can go with that. that yeah. That um and. I love that they kept this the the scene in the movie from the book where you know the wand goes up the troll's nose. And I yeah. was like, that's so dumb, but it's I'm glad that's part of it because it made me laugh in the movie and it made me laugh in the book just the same. So. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you had such a fun time reading the first half of Harry Potter. Yeah. The first one. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely thoroughly enjoying it so far. I was taking really ridiculous notes originally um, on it, but uh, glad that uh, I just kind of paraphrase it instead of like, yeah. going through all my notes. Because if I was, you guys would be here for like eight hours and you'd hate me, so. You know, I think they should make an eight-hour Harry Potter movie, maybe. Yeah. I would be down for that. I, I don't know that I would want to sit through an eight-hour of anything movie-wise ever. Like, you know, the Lord of the Rings will go off subject way too long as it was already like i couldn't you were going to upset so many lord of the rings fans yeah well you know you win some you lose some. (laughs) Uh, lord of the rings is actually a pretty decent movie though yeah and then since we're pretty much wrapping up my read of it um so far enjoying it thoroughly i'm excited to continue reading it next week we'll uh probably have that book finished hopefully you only have seven chapters left so we should be able to wrap that up um i probably won't start the next book until the episode after that i just know that there's gonna be more excitement going into the back half of this book yeah there's a lot um there's gonna be a lot for me to talk about um but we'll carry over to some of the stuff that liberty's reading i know that as somebody who runs a book blog and things like that like uh She's got some things to talk about, I'm sure. I've read more than you, I will say that. Um, Go figure. So my most recent reads were Kingdom of Copper by S.A. Chakraborty. That's the second book in uh, the David Bod trilogy. That sounds interesting. I don't know what any of that means, but thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. Um, But basically, it's that series I was talking about where she accidentally raises a genie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it's the second one in the series. It's really good so far. I gave the second one four stars, though, because I didn't like the way that it ended. So for the first book, I wasn't totally hooked the whole time. And then the ending was so good, I had to read the second one. And then the second one was so good the whole time, but then the end was not great. And I'm not a fan of how it ended. But I'm two out of three books in. I'm gonna freaking finish it. Also, it's kind of a cliffhanger, but it was my chunky read this week. I read over 600 pages. And then in about 24 hours, I read Josh and Hazel's Guide to Not Dating by Christina Lauren, which is a writing duo, so it's two people. Well, good thing you're married. You don't have to worry about the dating thing anymore. (laughs) So, you know, the guide is probably not too useful for you, but... uh... Well, it's a guide to not dating, supposedly. So maybe it would work for me. But I only gave it 3.25 stars, and it would have been a four-star read for me, or higher, actually, except that ending. I don't know what it was this week about book endings, but they were bad. Um, In Josh and Hazel's Guide to Not Dating, it's about this uh, two people who are kind of friends becoming better friends. They become best friends whenever uh, Pipe bursts in her apartment and she goes to live with him for a while while it gets fixed and I just liked how playful they were and how silly she is and how he just goes with it and all of that was great but then you get to the end and they do a trope that I absolutely hate and I know I ranted at you about it um, at least a little while so <laughs> while all of his section was spoilery for Harry Potter this is my spoiler section for Josh and Hazel's Guide to Not Dating So here it goes. I freaking hated that there's a pregnancy trope in here when it's completely and totally unnecessary to the plot because the boy was going to confess his feelings to her before she ever brings up the fact that she's pregnant. So like it's completely and totally unnecessary. If he was still being in the whole she's better off with someone else or whatever, then maybe I could understand that bringing her feelings to the forefront and having to say, I'm pregnant, I have feelings for you, yada yada, whatever. But like that last 50 pages of that book made me want to hurl my iPad across the room. I absolutely hated it. And so that's why it only got 3.25 stars for me because I cannot stand the end of that book. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why you definitely buy the warranty on things. <laughs> I didn't for a throw book reader, it. I wanted just to throw in it. case. I might have violent feelings about yeah. books sometimes. <laughs> um, but I mean, considering the fact that there are only seven days in a week, and I read about a thousand pages, just under. I think I did a good job. I'm planning on reading two books next week. I've already technically started one of them. The first book I'm reading is Marked in Flesh by Anne Bishop. It's part of the Others series. 
I think I've talked to you about it a little bit. It's an older series. I think the first book came out in 2012 or something. And it's about, it's an adult urban fantasy about shifters and magical beings that don't quite have a name because they're so old. And you've got this person who is what they call it, Cassandra Sang, I think is how you say it. A blood prophet and she is trying to run away from the place she was being held for her blood prophet abilities and so this book four I can't really talk to what it's about because that's just gonna give away one through three uh, so far so good I'm only 50 pages in it's got another 450 left and then I'll be done with it was but. that one of the books that came in this week uh, yeah I got Barnes it in war okay yeah I got it this week yeah Thank God. It took two weeks. I was going to say, if you guys are currently dealing with coronavirus uh, in your surrounding areas, you probably have noticed that your packages are coming later than they should be. Which is a disappointment when you're uh, in the middle of a series. That's all I'm going to say about that. you want to finish up to what you got. Yeah, but it's really good. It's what I call my cotton candy read. So, like, it's not nutritious, but I could eat it all in one sitting. So I could (laughs) probably read it all in one sitting. It's, uh... It's good. I really like the slice of life aspect to it. So it's back to what I said, where if the characters are really good, I could watch them sit in a cave all day. Similar to that. Like if they're just going about their regular lives, I want to read about it because the characters are so good. While it is cotton candy, I, I think the characterization is done really well. And then after I finish that, I'll probably finish it in like a day. Then I'll read an absolutely remarkable thing by Hank Green. And it's a reread for me because the second book comes out July 7th. Yeah, that was uh, his writer debut for yes. books, correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, definitely an exciting, exciting thing. I think we own a couple copies of that due to the fact that uh, we were well, trying to find a certain one. Well, no. What happened is it shipped late and so I wanted to read it. So I got a copy. So now I have two copies. Yeah, and one of them's a weird one, right? Like, it was, like, a double autographed or something yeah. weird, strange like that. Like I have a double autograph for some reason, but apparently I'm not the only one. When I made that post about a year ago, uh, other people posted theirs as well. So, it happened. And yeah. the binding got messed up. Hey, you know, double the fun. We had one that was and one that wasn't, and we got two in one of them. So, yeah. you know, that's a win-win. But it's about first contact with aliens and how humans respond to that and almost there's a third level to the book that's about how fame and sudden fame starts and how the media can kind of twist things which might be careful about approaching that subject right now but it's really well done and I'm surprised Hank Green can write that well because he's normally a vlogger and that's his job mostly just just to clarify hank we love you please don't give us any heck for this uh we think you're an amazing writer and a great vlogger i just didn't expect it to be as good as it was and his brother is a really well-known writer john green yeah and i've read most of his books too and hank green is completely on par with john so i mean i wasn't expecting that when i first picked it up there you go john you heard it here first But that's about it as far as the book news that I can think of right now. Unless you have something, which I would be very shocked if you did. I I have no book news whatsoever going on in my lifetime right now. (laughs) But Um, you're going to be reading the last half of the Harry Potter book. Yeah, that's news, definitely. Uh, We'll definitely be reading the last uh, (laughs) half of the book this week. Uh, Trying to get a little ahead of it just because I know that the books get longer and longer and longer and longer as we go along. And we want to finish the series this year at some point. Yeah, the goal is to try to get it done um, sooner rather than later. Um, This way, you know, we can do other books, maybe recommendations from you guys in the future. But, you know, uh, we really appreciate your time today. Um, Hopefully you enjoyed our show. It was was kind of entertaining. There was some humor and some awful puns. And I, I hope you would be entertained given that you're the one talking. But uh, you can check us out on all the social media that should be listed below in the uh, notes. Yeah, definitely. Give us a check out um, at Pucks and Pages on Twitter. Run it, uh, try to at least a little bit, a couple times a week. So we thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>